Hey, what's up, guys? This is the Box Office Brunch. We're your hosts. I'm David. And I'm Rita. Today, we are going to be talking about... The, the Greatest, the greatest showman. showman. For brunch today, we had chicken and waffles. We got uh, some chicken nuggets from Wendy's, and then we just <laughs> got some Eggo waffles because... We realized when we tried this the first time that waffles really don't like travel well. So it's hard to get like good waffles to take home. Yeah. So, so. Eggos it was. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. Those spicy chicken nuggets from Wendy's were super spicy today. So if we're like clearing our throat and stuff. <laughs> know, we've got like crud in our throats. So um, we have mimosas again today. And um, pineapple. Yeah. Pineapple mimosas. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Buckle up. We're going to talk about the greatest showman here. Yay. Here we go. I wouldn't joke about anything else that happens. Okay, so it came out December 20th, 2017. Yeah, which was Wednesday. That's kind of a weird, um, I don't know, I guess that happens sometimes. I think but... like during the holidays, they just don't, they just release stuff. All bets are off. Yeah. <laughs> come out. It's a wild west out here. <laughs> um, And so it's it was directed by Michael Gracie, which was his directorial debut. So it was yeah, like the he had first done, movie he'd he been ever like, directed. Um, visual effects supervisor and stuff. I think I read that he... Does he he did a lot of like behind the scenes stuff, but this was his first time directing. So yeah, kind of cool. And uh, it stars Hugh Jackman, Zac Efron, Michelle Williams, Rebecca Ferguson, Kiala Settle, and Zendaya. And I think you had a couple of other. Yeah, Austin Johnson played Caroline Barnum. Cameron Seeley played Helen Barnum. So that's P.T. Barnum's two daughters. I wanted to include them because I thought that they um, played like. They were they were in the movie a lot, so I thought they yeah. deserved it. And then Sam Humphrey played Tom Thumb. Uh, I'm gonna butcher this name, so I I apologize. It, I think it's Yahya Abdul Mateen the <laughs> second played W D Wheeler, which is Zendaya's brother in the movie. Cool. <clears throat> so oh, and then I also mentioned. Um, oh yeah. I wanted to include that the songs were by Benj Pasek and Justin Paul because this is a musical. I kind of wanted to include them. They wrote, they've been writing movies for like TV and musicals and stuff for a really long time. They did La La Land, mm -hmm. Dear Evan Hansen, which is a musical that I really like. The music was fantastic. That's coming out. The movie. It, the movie? Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. A That's pretty cool. coming out. That's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to that. And then mm -hmm. they also... Wrote the songs for the TV show Smash, which I don't know if you ever watched. But no, but you sent me music from it. Yeah, I know you liked it a lot. Yeah, it was like a. They were. It was interesting. I think I got. I bought into it when we were in New York, and there were advertisements for it everywhere. And then I thought that I was watching a preview for it, but it ended up being like the first <laughs> the episode <pilot. laughs> was like free online, and I watched the whole first episode, and then I was like hooked. But it's about. 
the production of like a Broadway musical about uh, Marilyn Monroe. And it has like, oh, what's her name? She was on, shoot, what was that singing competition show? American Idol. American Idol, yeah. Catherine McPhee. Oh, cool. Was like the star of it. She was like a small town girl who moved to New York to be in musicals and living in a lonely world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, and then the score was by John Debney and Joseph Trapanese is how his Ooh. name looks. I don't know if that's actually how you say it, but it looks like like the trapeze. Yeah, but it looks like Japanese, but Trapanese. Trapanese. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Well, the budget they got for it was $84 million. Yeah. Which I guess in the grand scheme of things isn't a lot, but they, they did well, a lot with I it. I think we need to stop comparing things. To, I, I thought about that this week. We need to stop comparing things to the budget of, like, Marvel movies because I think <laughs> that they have, like, completely skewed the, like, the landscape yeah, for movies. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> um, and it's opening weekend. Since it opened on a Wednesday, by the time it reached Sunday, it made $13.4 million. Yeah. But... Worth noting that the weekend before Star Wars The Last Jedi was released, yeah. and then that weekend, well, that or that, that Wednesday, same, that same Wednesday, yeah, it was Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle was released in Pitch Perfect 3. So it yeah. had a lot I don't think either of us have either the old like Jumanji or the the two new ones on our list, but we should probably talk about those at some point. I mean, Welcome to the Jungle, I think, was like a surprise. I actually liked hit. it, yeah, yeah, I thought it was good. I liked both Jumanji movies. Yeah. I haven't seen the the latest one, though. It's funny. It's yeah. funny. Well, we'll definitely put that on the list. Or yeah. maybe someone will write in and request it. Yeah. And then the the weekend. So it was released on a Wednesday. The week That weekend, Pitch Perfect 3 was released um, as well, which that's a pretty big franchise. I'm pretty sure I didn't see this movie in theaters because I went to go see Pitch Perfect 3 instead. Mm. And I definitely I definitely it. did not see this in theaters. I didn't see it until it was released on home video. But total box office was 435 million. Yeah, it was so. in theaters for a really long time. I think it was it was released in December. I think it was in theaters until like March the following year. So it yeah. was in theaters for a long time. From my understanding is if a movie is actually really popular, it'll stay in theaters a lot longer. Yeah. So despite it having kind of like a disappointing opening weekend because it was like, I don't know, going into Christmas and Star Wars being released and all that kind of stuff, it ended up being like pretty, pretty big in the long run. Yeah. So we can get into what it's about. Um, I got a little synopsis off of Rotten Tomatoes because... The one on IMDb is really long, and I was like, I don't need to read well, The one, one I got on, on IMDb wasn't that long. Well. Okay, well, let, let you read yours, and then I'll read the one that I have. We'll <laughs> see. <laughs> Growing up in the early 1800s, P.T. Barnum displays a natural talent for publicity and promotion, selling lottery tickets by age 12. After trying his hands at various jobs, P.T. turns to show business to indulge his limitless imagination, rising from nothing to create the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Featuring catchy musical numbers, exotic performers, and daring acrobatic feats, Barnum's mesmerizing spectacle soon takes the world by storm to become the greatest show on earth. Yeah, I don't know how you thought that one was shorter than the one on IMDb. No, the one I got on IMDb was like, I kept putting show more, show more, show more. Oh, the one that I got. And maybe I didn't get this from IMDb, actually. Maybe I got it from somewhere else. Yeah, But mine says, oh, yeah, no, that's not. I just did the, like synopsis at the beginning the like one sentence pitching right thing and it just said celebrates the birth of show business and tells of a visionary who rose from nothing to create a spectacle that became a worldwide sensation what i know 
makes it sound like very fantastical. It was. Yeah, the movie is. I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> we argued before. Yeah. We, we actually work at the same hospital. So we had lunch like earlier this week and we were both like, we're going to argue because we do not agree. Like, I absolutely love I... this film. David was like, nah. Yeah, I think that we will argue less having now that I've seen it a second time. <laughs> but I do still now have that like I've seen it a two hundredth time. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this I when I watched it the first time, I had very kind of like feelings towards it. Like the music is obviously the best part of the whole thing. Like the music is fantastic. But I guess we're just going to move right into our opinions about it. And watching it a second time, I was like, okay, it wasn't as like it wasn't quite as meh as I remember it being good, but it still didn't feel like it had all that much of a story. Like there weren't, there were a a bunch of little stories going on, but they weren't like connected in the way that I would have liked them to, or like fleshed out the way that I would have liked them to. It really seemed like it was a short scene to get us to a musical number. And then another short scene to get us to another musical number. Well, It'll be interesting. We can obviously circle back on this, but I was in the musical Barnum in high school. Yeah. And it is com- the story that was written for that musical is completely different than The Greatest Showman. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I can talk about the similarities and differences. Yeah. I guess since we're talking about the music, my opinion on the music in this is obviously like it's all really good music, but it felt very disjointed to me. I, they came out with that album after the movie, the um, the like the greatest showman reimagined. Yeah, that with had like all, all of the, like, yeah, like Panic at the Disco. And stuff. Yeah, and in my opinion, it felt like that was kind of the end goal. Like it already felt like the music was written for those artists. Like the greatest show at the very beginning sounds like even in the the musical itself feels like a Panic at the Disco song I to a certain can extent. See that. A little bit. But yeah. I like the original music much better than the reimagined album. Right. I mean, it's performed better, I think, in the musical. Like, Well, and it's performed by, well, I was going to say by real musicians. But what I mean is like, <laughs> there's a difference between like musicians who do Broadway right. and musicians like who musical do, theater. Right. Like musical theater yeah. is like a completely different ballgame yeah. in terms of like the talent. And then obviously I'm not saying Pink and Panic at the Disco aren't talented. It's a different it's a different kind of thing because yeah. like this is me Kesha's version to me is not as great as Kiala Settles version. Oh my god, yeah. You know, like Kiala Settles like unmatched yeah, in terms she's... of that. Kesha's version was just fine, but it's Right. No, but I think it was like that song. I made a note of another one from now on, which I think it was like the Zach Brown Zach Brown Zach Brown band. Zach band. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> the Zach Brown band. Yeah. And like that that song in the musical seemed really like out of place, I think to me. Oh. Like the the genre that it was written in, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Because like the music in the movie, like in the context of the musical, ranges from like straight up pop to like sort of hip hoppy to the that like panic at the disco type sound and then this song is like very zach brown band or like mumford and sons sounding but that's like i think it's speaking to the fact that like <clears throat> it's a circus it's a bunch of misfits that don't fit together i can see that and so that's like it just the songs i think just like lacked a certain amount of 
Boy, who are you talking to? We're gonna fight. I'm not saying that the music wasn't good. I'm saying that, like, in the context of the musical, it just felt disjointed to me. Okay. Well, why don't you... You're probably not gonna do this, but I would encourage you to listen to the actual Barnum soundtrack, like, from the musical and listen to it. Actually, there's a YouTube video of the musical. I think it was, like, a 1970s version of the musical. Yeah. P.T. Barnum is more humbuggy and, like, more full of shit than he is in this movie. Because I think, like, we'll get into it. Probably Let's get into, he, like, what... probably closer to how he was in real life. I think so. Because <laughs> I have a t-shirt from the musical, which I found. It still fits. But... Wow. Um, on the back of the shirt, it's a quote by P.T. Barnum. And it says, there is a sucker born every minute. Yeah. I saw that on... While I was doing the research. And he's credited with that but there's like no proof that he he was the one to actually say that but he is the one there's a whole musical number in the original musical called there's a sucker born every minute yeah and it's like him just talking about feeding people bullshit and making money off of it yeah that is kind of another (laughs) opinion that i have (laughs) about this movie where it's like they wanted to make him like this it's just about the magic and the family and everything like that. But in real life, it seemed that P.T. Barnum was a lot more focused on just like making money. Yeah. So if this is going to be so loosely adapted, like why even make it about P.T. Barnum? It could have just been some fictional. Well, because it we'll get into it. I'll okay. make some comparisons on like what happens in the musical versus what happened in the movie. Because first of all, Philip Carlyle is supposed to represent Bailey, but like Bailey isn't actually represented in the movie. Mm. So it's not really Barnum and Bailey's circus that they're even talking about. It's kind of uh, like its own story almost. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is its own story, which, right, is, like, which is why I'm like, I think that P.T. Barnum has kind of had some, like controversy controversies and stuff. Just like the fact that they like treated the animals really poorly and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that they made an effort in this movie to kind of divorce themselves from all of that kind of stuff by like even though they had real horses in the movie they were never in the circus right and so it always seemed like they wanted all of the animals in the like in the circus to be cgi and i think that that was partially a move to like we don't have real animals here so don't think about that right and so it's like because of all of that i think that it would have just been easier for them to just make this like a Sure, it can be, like, based on the idea of P.T. Barnum creating the circus, but, like, why make it P.T. Barnum? That's kind of my opinion on it. Yeah. Did you want to go into the plot? I mean, like, yeah, just quickly, like, touch on the main subjects here. Okay. So, you know, obviously it starts with The Greatest Show, which is that number, and then it, like, fades away, and we see, like, a younger Barnum. Who his dad was like a tailor, right? Yeah. And he was living kind of like poorly. And his dad was a tailor for Charity's dad. So that's how he met Charity because she lived in this like big house and stuff. And so, which was Michelle Williams' character. I think when we went over the cast, we yep. didn't go into who was playing who. And so he, they obviously have like a friendship or a connection. Yeah. I don't know. Like, did they know each other? They didn't make it very clear. Like, if they it had met like before. It seems like they knew each other from those visits, like with okay. his dad tailoring the suits for her dad. Okay. And so that traumatic scene happens where her dad yeah, he slaps like, him in he, the face. He makes Charity laugh and she like spits out her tea and spills it on her dress. And her dad calls her over. just like, is this how I taught you to behave? Look at your dress. And P.T. Barnum confesses to making her laugh. And he's like, well, thank you for your honesty. And then slaps the bejesus out of him yeah it's 
I feel worse for his dad in that scene than I do for him or Charity. Because oh, the, the look on his dad's face, like Barnum's dad. Barnum's dad. <laughs> I, was no. like, I was like, who are we going to have an issue with you siding with the bad guy again? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. We have not recovered from last week's episode. No. No, I did see that. Like, like he, his dad just looks so like distraught that his right. son just got slapped. But he couldn't. He like knew he couldn't say anything. Yeah. Right. It was. I felt like really bad for his dad in that moment. So then, of course, feel bad for the kid who just got. <laughs> well, I feel bad for him, but it was kind of. I just his. Yeah. You you know when a parent is like. Yeah. And right before that, his before they go inside, his dad's like obviously super like nervous, and so he's telling him to like wipe the muck off of him. And yeah. Like, he obviously knows the gravity of like. Or the differences in classes of, like, their class versus, like, Charity's family's class. Yeah, yeah. So then the kids meet up and they sing A Million Dreams, which... Right, we find out that Charity's going off to finishing school, so she's going to be leaving. And he promises her, like, that they'll have a good life together. Yeah, which... The song's really good. I was... I laughed out loud at the scene before this. Like, the scene where he's like, I made her laugh. And then when he starts singing because there's such a dramatic difference in his voice. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a different person. I think it is too. And it's like, this is some of the stuff that was like distracting to me in the movie is like some of the dubbing over their voices is like not the best. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I, in the scene where he admits to like making charity laugh, I had, I had to rewind cause I was like, his voice is so deep. Yeah. <laughs> and then he starts singing and it's like this little kid's high pitched voice and it's, well, he's using it, his head voice, yeah, versus his chest voice. Yeah, but, but it's like a I little... think it's a different singer. Yeah, which like I'm like in the world of talent, we can't find people who are good at both. Or like <laughs> if you find somebody and you're like, wow, they're such a really like they're such a talented singer, like just put them in the movie, right? Like this kid wasn't like a super big star that we needed to have <laughs> in the movie, but I don't know. There were there are a couple things like that, and we'll talk about that. So I think we're it, both kind of thinking about the same one. Yeah. And A Million Dreams then, of course, like moves on into where like right, Barnum's like burying up. his dad. And then like he's alone. He's obviously starving on the street. Right. Like I thought a Stealing really food. I thought like a really powerful moment in that song is when he goes to steal that piece of bread and then the guy finds him and steal like takes the Kick, bread back, back and pushes yeah. him to the ground. And then that woman with the disfigured face hands him right. an apple. And he's, like, scared of her, but, like, she's the kindest one there. And right. I think it speaks to, like, what happens later. And, like, yeah. The fact yeah. that, like, you know, I think that's foreshadowing there. Yeah. Um, but he joins the railroad. And then he shows. He's also still finding time to write. Like, he's still finding a pen and paper to write charity, like, every week or whatever. <laughs> you well, can't find food. He's resourceful. But... <laughs> yeah. Do I write her a letter or do I eat? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then he's, like, slipping the letters into the mailman's bag the street and stuff and he's trying to like sell newspapers that i guess were on the ground for free so it's trying to show us that he's like a like a business-minded individual and yep. he's creative and all that kind of stuff and then he goes and joins the railroad and then it just cuts to him coming back as an adult which is hugh jackman yeah i i also thought it was weird that there wasn't like a middle uh like an actor to play him at this stage in life because, like, Hugh Jackman's, like, isn't he in his 50s or something? Yeah, but, I mean, he looks like he's in his 30s. Yeah, it was, it's just a little weird to me that <laughs> that they were like, it's me, Hugh Jackman, just a humble 
23-year-old asking for your daughter's <laughs> hand in marriage. And they I feel like they could have found like one more person to play him in that scene. Yeah. It's just a little weird to me. I don't I, I don't know why I'm so like nitpicky with this movie. Because you want to be. Probably. Because I was nitpicky last week. Yeah. I well, don't know. It's just a little I I it's just there's a lot of little things everywhere that make that I just feel weird about and I think that kind of shifts how I see the whole movie. Yeah. Is because there's so many little things that add up for me. Well, and then he, you know, tells Charity's dad he'll give her the life she deserves and his her dad like takes a dig at him and is like, she'll right. he's tire very, of he's her very life classist because Charity's family is very, very rich and, and he's from, comes from nothing. And so he's like, don't worry, she'll come back to me once she realizes you can't give her anything. And then it shows them like living. And in, then like, it picks up uh, a million dreams again. This song goes on for so long. Well, and then it's like it shows their life. Like they buy this little tiny apartment, and yeah. they don't have any furniture, and dancing on the roof, dancing on the roof, and then she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like reveals that she's pregnant, and then it cuts forward to him working at uh, the he, trading company. Yeah, he's just like punching in numbers, and he's like trying to talk to his boss about ideas that he has and stuff like that but then he finds out that the company's bankrupt and so he's out of a job the ship their whole fleet of ships sank, sank in a typhoon yeah so but he steals the, the east china sea. i don't know if you noticed but he steals the the deeds yeah and then he lies to the bank to get a <laughs> loan later i was like Am I supposed to be on his side right now because he just used like fake collateral? Well, I don't think you're supposed to be on his side. I don't think but I he's would the say protagonist. I'm, right, but I wouldn't say I was like on his side in the whole movie. Like I wasn't yeah. necessarily team Barnum like the whole time. Yeah. But I do like I like the part where he goes back home and admits like that he got yeah. fired and she's I really like, liked Michelle Williams in this scene cuz yeah. she's just like cuz he's like it's okay. This isn't the life I promised you and she's like we have everything we need and he goes but what where's about the, the magic? magic and she's like what do you call those two girls and like Yeah. Well that that scene was really cute. With and the I family think, and the wishing that machine. That's, that's like the um yeah and then we see cuz it's one of his daughter's birthdays and so he like uses just some like random junk that he has in his briefcase to make this wishing machine. And she wishes for ballet slippers mm-hmm. and Helen wishes to, for... to marry Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, as her dad is like, that's a good wish. <laughs> yeah. I'm and... Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> you can't marry Santa Claus, girl. Do you girl, know who he is? Be a kid. <laughs> and then um, Charity, you know, wishes for happiness yeah. like this always for all of them. And I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. But yeah, essentially, that's that's what I was going to say was that that's like definitely one of the redeeming qualities in this movie is like the performances are just so actors are so charming and like the characters are very like magnetic and you really like the characters. It's just well, and there's Charity Barnum is missing for me. Charity Barnum is the way she's represented in this movie is not the way the real Charity Barnum was. So like in the again, <laughs> so like you know she goes along for the ride in this entire movie, but like the real Charity Barnum, like there's actually a number in the musical that's called like, I like your style, and it's literally them singing, "We're out of step, we disagree. What's right for you is wrong for me." And so they're literally like, "But I like your style." They're basically singing like opposites attract. Like he loves mm-hmm. like she sings a song where she's like, "The colors of her life are more like earthly and neutral, but the colors of his life are magical and bold." Right, and they're just like so different. Like so. The big- 
reds and blues and all that kind of stuff. But she was Charity was very much represented as like the wife that totally supported him always and went along with everything and he wronged her in this movie. And it's like, no, she actually was like the complete opposite of him and he still wronged her in real life. But yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that was like a little tangent because I was just like, yeah. by the way, she wasn't that easy going. Which, again, just leads back to my question of like, why make it about P.T. Barnum? Is it just the, the name recognition? Well, yeah. And it's like, you know, maybe a lot of people don't know his life story. Yeah. I mean, his life was very interesting, but I feel like this is just so, like, they took so many liberties with this movie that it's like, it could have just been about anybody. Yeah. Well, then he takes out that loan. He lies. But right. I think it's really funny because he sees, like, yeah. Tom Thumb. You know? <laughs> he yeah. sees him, like, what does he say? He makes, like, a funny joke. He calls him something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember thinking, like, hmm, okay. He's <laughs> like, a 40-year-old man's voice coming out of, like, yeah. that little body. But so he goes in, he lies and says he has a fleet of ships and gets a loan to open up a yeah. museum. Yeah, he gets like a big loan that he has to pay back. And so that's kind of like a thing that uh, becomes a point of pressure for them because he makes this museum. His whole thing is that he um, he he says that people like the macabre and like the strange and everything. That's why we stare at it. And so he tries to make a um, museum of like strange things. Yeah, so his first recruit is Tom Thumb. Well, first he's like making this this museum and it's all like wax figures or like stuffed animals mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And his kids are actually the ones who tell him. They're like you need you need something alive in your museum. And they're like like a mermaid or like a unicorn, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was kind of when I was looking looking up P.T. Barnum, his first attraction was something called the Fiji Mermaid. Ew, and it was like two things yeah. sewn together. Yeah, it was yeah, so it was like a like a monkey's upper body and like a fish's lower body and it that was like in real life it was a hoax. And so I think that like her saying you need a mermaid was like a reference to that. Yeah. And then there's also things like it feels like that in this movie, they just keep wanting to like hint at the real story, but like not really get into it. Yeah. Like they talk about like the newspaper columnist or what is he called? A, a theater critic. The theater critic in the movie keeps talking about like, oh, it's fake. It's fake. It's fake. But in the context of the movie, nothing he's doing is fake. Well, okay. He's exaggerating things. Like he's like telling people that they're, that the tall man's taller or the heavy man's heavier or something like that. But for the most part, like it's not fake. So I feel like all those things are like hints at the the real story of P.T. Barnum. Yeah. Because in, in real life, a lot of his stuff was fake. And his excuse for it was that he wanted to like attract people with these like hoaxes, I guess. And then entertain them from there and that's where the circus comes in yeah like the freaks that that he called them were just like literally the attraction they were there to get people in the seats and then it was about the show after that yeah it's interesting the differences but i just yeah. enjoy it as like its own separate thing but anyways yeah. he, it does have its it's like it's it is enjoyable he um recruits tom thumb and the bearded lady mm-hmm and which i had another thing about the bearded lady she's like don't look at me 
I'm hideous and stuff. And she's like, clearly she like put some effort into her appearance because she's got like fancy looking eye makeup on and stuff like that. But she couldn't shave. <laughs> she had like, she, uh, yeah, maybe she would have had like a little stubble. But isn't that better? <laughs> like a big beard. I don't know. I mean, we don't know the beard lady story. Yeah. But anyway, she probably just was like, I'm not dealing with this. I'm just going to hide my whole life. Yeah. But yeah, so then this, the number Come Alive starts. Yeah. And it's basically him creating the circus. Yeah. And they and, perform. Yeah. And it's the, like there's a scene where he's like interviewing for like freaks basically. And so he gets like a super tall guy and a super fat guy and like people who are really hairy. But like the dog boy and Tom Thumb. And and that's where he meets Zendaya and her brother and they're like trapeze artists. Yeah, which... I think I mentioned to you, I just think it's very weird that they're like, oh, we've got this circus full of freaks. And then like one of the freak shows is just Zendaya and her brother who are both really talented, really talented, good looking no, people, but, but the, because of the time. Yeah. yeah, because of the time. That's really what it is. And actually those characters didn't, were completely made up for the film. They didn't exist in Barnum's like real. Yeah. Thing. So yeah, come alive happens. Also, uh, just like another little side note, I thought it was interesting that when they're like interviewing for the show, first of all, they do trapeze, and like, how do you just like casually know the trapeze? Maybe they don't. <laughs> Maybe they grew up like learning that. Yeah, and then they're also when they're interviewing, they're like, people w- won't like it if you put us on stage, and it's like, are you trying to sell yourself or not? Because like. You're not making very good points here. They probably just, I mean, they're probably like, we need a job, but like, we don't know if this is necessarily a job. Anyway. So obviously the critic, Bennett, calls it a circus. And so, yeah, you know, that's when P.T. Barnum's like, oh, I like that. I like that word, And so then he tells his assistant, like, print out as many of these newspapers and... Yeah, reprint this in every newspaper and give people half-price tickets if they bring it in. But in the middle of that, he gets called outside and there's, like, the townspeople are, like, beating up on the bearded lady and stuff like that. Yeah. Alex Wong makes an appearance as one of the freaks. I don't know if you know who he was. He was on So You Think You Can Dance. He danced with uh, Twitch. Mm -hmm. I've never watched that show. Well, Twitch is on Ellen's show. As like a dancer. But anyways, mm. Barnum really likes the circus. He takes on that persona. So then, you know, things are looking up for him. Right. Now that he's like advertising the freaks and everything, then he's they, they start making like more money. So shows are selling out. So he buys like a gigantic house for them. He buys Caroline the her ballet, slippers. ballet slippers and gets her in a ballet school. And things are looking up. He happens to see Philip Carlyle at an event. Mm-hmm. And he asks his wife, like Charity, who he is. And she's like, oh, he's Philip Carlyle. Like, he's he was in- like a producer for yeah. some plays and stuff. Yeah, he was like a businessman. And so then comes like one of my favorite scenes, which is where he invites him for a drink. Yeah, this is one of my favorite scenes, too. The bartender like steals the show for me. Yeah. Do you have you watched him? I wasn't watching it. Oh my gosh. If you watch him during that scene, like that guy deserves an Oscar because he's the most coordinated bartender ever. But yeah. But I think that part of the reason that I like this scene so much was because this was one of the scenes that felt like a musical. Like it felt like a musical number where they were singing about the plot. All the other songs to me, as great as they are, don't really feel like musical songs. They feel like normal pop songs or something like that. 
Yeah. He basically convinces Philip Carlyle to join the circus. Right, to become like a partner. And what does he promise him? 10%? 10% is what they agree yeah. on, yeah. So Philip gets 10% of the earnings from the show. And he brings him back to the circus and he meets everybody and he obviously locks eyes with Zendaya. Right. And they make eyes at each other. Who's not going to look at Zendaya like that? She's beautiful. <laughs> She's so beautiful. So And talented and like everything. Exactly. So she asks him like in a cute little way. She's like, and what's your act? Yeah. And he's like, I don't, I don't have an act. Everybody has an act. Yep. And then she walks off. Yep, with her pink hair. With her tood. Yeah. So then things are going pretty well. They get invited to meet the queen. Meet the queen. And Zendaya is like, is everyone invited? Because obviously like part of the reason that she and her brother are there and it's like a freak show is because this is, I forget, I don't remember what year this is supposed to be, but obviously like they're black and that's, they're seen as lesser. Yeah. At at one point, Zac Efron's dad calls her the help and stuff. So it's clearly like a very racist period in history. Like most of history is. (laughs) Seriously. Philip says, well, if we're not all invited, then none of us are going essentially. So Mm -hmm. they go meet the queen Tom Thumb's like, she's like, you're so tiny. And he's like, you're not exactly reaching the top shelf yourself, sweetheart. And it's yeah. like, everyone's like, oh, he just talked to the queen like that. And then she starts like cracking up. Yeah. And then everybody starts laughing. So they kind of win her over. And then Barnum sees Jenny Lind. Yeah. Who's played by Rebecca Ferguson. And so he asks Philip about her. And he's like, oh, she's like this famous opera singer. Yeah. And he's like, well, you're going to introduce me. And Philip's like, I don't know her. <laughs> he's like, well. You said everybody knows her. <laughs> so he goes and introduces himself and he gives her like the cheap like one-liner kind of thing. Like my business is about, you know, selling people everything that's fake, like giving a show to people. And for, for once, I want to give them something that's real. Mind you, he's never heard her sing. So right. like, he doesn't even know if she's good at it. Yeah. But he convinces her to like perform. And so she like. He introduces her to the crowd. And this isn't his circus crowd. This is like in a theater now. Yeah. And he introduces. This is like a completely different show from like divorced from his normal show. Yeah. And so he is like super nervous. And Philip's like, hey, Lottie. And because Lottie is the name of the bearded lady. He's like, they all showed up. Like, where do you want me to put them in your box? And he goes, no, nothing visible. And so it's like the first time that you're kind of like, what? Yeah. You like empowered these people to be proud of who they are. And now you're like ashamed of them. So he just has them in the standing room, essentially. So you see them like come in. But yeah, they like want to come in and they're like, Let, yeah, it's a party. Like, let's go out. And so they start trying to go out. And well, you should be, this is after she performs. So she performs yeah. and Barnum's like falling over himself. She performs the song Never Enough, which like. This is, I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for this, but this is Never Enough is like everyone's favorite song when I talk to them. And I'm like, mm. it's one of the worst songs for me. Yeah, I, don't I don't think like it, it has substance. I really think it's just like boring. It's like a yeah. boring song. She's a boring character to me. Like, yeah. I just, I mean, the performance is great, but it's the not singing. even her voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren Allred is the <laughs> opera yeah. singer who, like, she's, I don't think she's an opera singer. She was on like the voice and stuff. But she's like that. She, she plays like the, the voice, yeah, yeah, of the opera singer. Which goes back to our previous point where it's like if 
if this is the voice you wanted to use because I think that Rebecca Ferguson was trained musically. Rebecca but she Ferguson didn't... apparently still had to sing the song too. Well, she when they chose were recording. to. She chose to. Regardless, I'm like, this is dumb. This right. is stupidity. She said she said that apparently because Jenny Lind was supposed to be the best singer in the world at the time, she didn't want she she thought she deserved to have like a better singer do the song. And then get no FaceTime for it. But I right. don't think Lauren Allred wanted to. Like, I think oh. I read something that said that she had no interest in, like, being the face of it. thought it was pretty interesting in this scene because you can see Charity watching Barnum watching Jenny. Mm-hmm. And you can see Charity is, like, noticing that he's, like, falling over himself. Well, yeah, it was, like, very weird. They they give you, like, a lot of hints that, like, oh, this is he's going to cheat on his wife with her. <laughs> because, like, even when he first sees her, like, she's walking all slow and sexy and everything. And he's like, who's that? Right. And then this scene where he's like seeing her sing and he's like, yeah, just like, wow, she's so great and everything. Well, then they go to the party and before Lottie and the crew try to come in, he actually disses Charity's parents. Yeah, kind of makes it. Like he's a a dick. Yeah, he kind of makes himself look like an ass. But like Charity's dad congratulates him on like all his success and stuff. And he like rubs his nose in it pretty much. And Charity's like, dude. Yeah. And then Jenny's like, come on, Barnum. Like, let's just like. You, do I don't. Yeah, I don't feel like I don't fit in here either. They they don't appreciate wealth because they've always had it and that kind of stuff. Right, and so then they do like a champagne toast, but then he sees Lottie and the crew trying to come in and they're trying to have a party and he's like, I can't have you guys in there like distracting people and he like shuts the door. But also he made like the only point in that that I thought like kind of made sense was like he's advertising this as like come see the freaks and if they're out in public for free then why are people gonna pay yeah but it just made you can tell it's like the slam in the face makes them feel really sad and then the number this is me starts yeah and such a good song it's a really good song and like kiala settle is like so talented it's crazy but this this is in the context of the movie again it doesn't really make sense to me P.T. Barnum's like they even have a quote later on about how he gave them a home and gave them a family even when their real families like shunned them and stuff but he just shunned them so where is this like this is me like I am who I am love me anyways I love myself anthem coming from like this should be the low point for them well I think that's what it is because originally she in that first part she's kind of like singing melancholic and then Tom grabs her hand and starts like singing with her and they like empower, they come together like they're a family like, okay. and they don't really like, do they need him? No, but like they come together and they realize like, this is me. And the thing is like during the show with Jenny Lind performing, you know, Philip grabs Anne Zendaya's hand, her mm-hmm. name's Anne Wheeler, but he grabs her hand and his parents look over and see him and he like drops her hand. And so she's, like yeah. feeling the rejection too. So like when she's singing, this is me, she's like looking up into like yeah. the box at him and like glaring daggers at him and stuff. And so it's another one of my favorite songs. I'd yeah, say. it's great. I just, I love the song too. I think I had it, I had it stuck in my head after watching it, but it just didn't feel like it fit in the context of the movie to me. Yeah. Again, these are all just my opinions and feel free to think something else, but. <laughs> it's just funny because I'm like, is that why you're wearing a bio jacket? Because you're gonna poop all over this movie. Oh my god! 
Um, <laughs> is it even brown? I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's like okay. a brownish red. I'm like, it might be purple. I don't know. <laughs> you know, nobody knows this, but Barnum takes out like this huge loan to take Jenny on a world tour. And Philip's yeah. like, what about the circus? And he's like, what about it? Kind of like, fuck the circus. Like I have my new yeah. news or whatever. And in the middle my of all this. Money maker. Yeah. So he leaves. But before he sets off, um, Philip tries to meet up with Anne. Yeah. At like a show and his parents show up. And that's when his dad's like, how can you hang out with this filth? Yeah. How can and, you be seen with the help? And then she runs away and he's like, how dare you speak to her that way? And he like basically like shuns his parents. Yeah. And his mom's like, know your place or something. Yeah. And like, she's like, that my place is by her side or whatever he yeah, says. Definitely not with you people. Yeah. You little racist racists. Yeah. Um. So then, rewrite the stars is done, which is probably my favorite song. Oh, it's so good. It's so it was good. actually Zendaya's like a- idea to. So they were like trying to mess with the music, and they were like, "It just feels so inorganic for the music to just start." And she goes, "Well, why doesn't it just start acoustic or not acoustic? Yeah. Why doesn't it just start acapella? Yeah, and then the music can come in." And so that's why, like, it was her suggestion that. Yeah, which is actually different. This is completely an aside, but like, I watched an interview. I've watched a couple interviews about like the theory behind Disney music. So like for, Oh God, I'm going to space on the name of the, the two that basically created the Disney Renaissance with like the little mermaid and stuff. But like, if you think about how under the sea starts they're like the music starts behind while they're still talking and then they start singing. Yeah. And so their whole like philosophy for music was like that's how you organically start a song is like you're talking and then the music starts and then you start singing afterwards so it's kind of interesting that this one started backwards compared to that yeah so really really good scene but she's still at the end kind of like tells him like i can't have you like we're bound to break and she walks off and so she like rejects him the scene while it's a lot of fun makes me wonder about a lot of things <laughs> like, first of all that the first scene where she gets like where she like flies off on the rope i was like jesus christ they're gonna dislocate <laughs> her shoulder <laughs> she gets like just whipped off the ground um and then the rope keeps changing in the scene and i don't know why it was like very distracting to me because like obviously she was it a slip knot or a length for double <laughs> So she like obviously unties the rope. It's like tied to this post. And then like in a little bit into the song, all of a sudden there's like a loop at the bottom of the rope for like them to slip their hand through and grab. And then all of a sudden there's two ropes for her and Zac Efron to both be on one. Well, she was messing with the ropes. Yeah. So she's like doing something in it, so maybe i wasn't watching closely enough but i don't it just know she was, like, i think she was like trying to get some work done essentially yeah like, she was like practicing and stuff yeah so I definitely think, but the rope just kept changing when they're like swinging around singing like rewrite the stars why don't yeah. we rewrite the stars like that part makes me laugh they're just like flinging around <laughs> as fast as they can yeah but yeah it's really sad she rejects him because she knows it's not going to work out with them yeah. and then yes the next scene is barnum leaving and charity's just kind of like you know, she just what the fuck, dude. Well, she just like very politely like asks him like how long it'll be and if it'll ever be enough for him. Yeah, because she's just like you know nothing's ever like enough for you. And he takes off and his girls run after him and then it's Michelle Williams' song, which is um, <clears throat> "Tightrope." Yeah, which I thought was like beautifully done. 
And then it goes back to like, why did they let her sing her stuff, but not the others? Because she that's her singing. Yeah. I thought it was like really cool. And so they're, you know, obviously going back and forth with her, like holding down the fort with the girls by herself. And then like every night he walks out on stage to like a sold out crowd mm-hmm. who's like standing ovation with Jenny Lind every yeah. day, um, every night. And I thought it was like one of my favorite parts in that scene when she's dancing with his silhouette, like at when at the end when she's like oh, dancing yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, like yeah. when she flips around, it's just the curtain and it's not him at all. But I like it because it's pretty much like I followed you this whole time. Right. Like I'm walking a tightrope now and like I can't anymore. Like I can't keep holding on. Yeah. And then, you know, the little hussy Jenny Land in the next scene. <laughs> got another problem with this <laughs> which barnum actually did cheat on Jer- charity in the in the like real life so like he actually i don't know if it was with jenny lind it wasn't it was. but it was like with an opera singer because in the musical we very much like had the opera singer and then it was like he cheated on her and it was implied that he cheated on her but anyways you know yeah. she kisses him and he tells her he can't do this and that he's gonna go home and let her finish out the rest of the trip and she gets like all butt hurt and she walks away <laughs> and then she does her last performance and she's like crying. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so bad for you. <laughs> and um, then when he goes out to greet her, she kisses him on the lips. Yeah. And like the, the press sees everything. They take a picture. They take a bunch of pictures. This is where David was explaining <laughs> to me his problem. You want to explain it to them? Yeah. So in the scene where she like pulls him in and kiss kisses him they like it they make it very clear like there are multiple shots of like camera flashes going off like oh my god the press saw it all (laughs) and then in the scene where charity finds out about it it's an artist renditioning it like it's a drawing of it (laughs) (laughs) like why why did they make like such a big deal of all the flash bulbs going off if they're just gonna draw it anyway (laughs) And well, I feel like and, at that point, P.T. Barnum could be like, look, it's not a picture. It's just a drawing. <laughs> well, and then like, I, I you know, pointed I that out it. and I was like, I didn't notice that. <laughs> but yeah, so then Barnum goes home and yeah. he, Charity's like, oh, what like. Ma- what made you come back? He's like, I just missed you guys. And she's like, that sounds like a load of humbug or something like that. Yeah. But then while this is happening, a bunch of like thugs show up to the circus yeah, and they're like dissing Philip while he's like saying good night to everybody for the night, and a fight breaks out, which mm-hmm. knocks over the lanterns, and then no, the, somebody like the big tall guy like throws somebody into the backstage, and they see a lantern and they throw it. Yeah, and they and start the fire. Yeah, the fire starts at the circus. So while Barnum's like with his family at like the event center, yeah, they see the fire truck go by and it's like it's the fires at the circus and so then like he runs and philip has like run inside to go find Anne, right because it's like where's Anne? and then he runs in and then she runs off like she wasn't even there right she runs and she finds wd and then like barnum shows up and they're like philip's in there and so like barnum runs in and then the, the whole thing collapses and everyone's crying because they're like watching they're all dead and then he comes running out and coughing and philip's like inhaled a lot of smoke so he goes to the hospital yeah and then the next morning barnum's going through all the the pile of crap that's left of the circus Mm -hmm. and the critic comes up and is like talking to him and he's like well we'll we'll get this back up and running and we'll get like things going back up with jenny lind and he's like oh you don't know and like he hands him like the 
the paper with the yeah. drawing and it's like Jenny Lind quits. Yeah. And it's a drawing of them kissing. He uh realizes that this newspaper has probably made it home and he goes running home and Charity's packed her stuff up. Yeah, she's like, I'm out. And she basically just tells him, like, I stood by you this whole time and I'm done. And the the thing is that he had put their house down for collateral to take out that loan to take Jenny Lind on the tour. Right. So they're getting evicted. So the bank was like taking the house back and she was like what I love about that scene, even though that wasn't the real Charity Barnum, is she's like, I would have been okay if you just asked. Like, I've yeah. always been along for the ride with you. I just yeah. want to be considered. And so she leaves, and he's all depresso. Yeah. And, and then Anne's with Philip in the hospital, and she's singing like, a reprise of Rewrite, rewrite the, the Stars. Star, so, you know, she's in love with him. Right. She's finally like the near death thing. Well, the guy went into a burning building for you. Like, <laughs> yeah. See, I think I think that she was, even though she believed that he loved her in the the original rewrite the stars, I think that she was being considerate of him. People are never going to accept us as a couple, and so for you to have a life, we can't be together. Yeah, yeah. And I think that this near death experience, she realized like she loves him too much to stay away, kind of thing. Yeah. So. That's, and she realized that he was willing to sacrifice his life for her. Yeah. And that's, so that's happening. And then Barnum shows up at this, at the bar. Yeah. And the circus Lottie and everybody shows up and they try to like encourage him and he like apologizes to them. And then they sing the number from now on, which yeah. like he basically is like, I like it. Cause it's just like from now on, he's not going to be blinded by fame. Like he's right. going to like, he was going to realize what really matters. And it's the family that he's built both his right. like real life family and the, the performers. Right. And that's his why. Yeah. So it shows like this very dramatic scene where he's like running to get on the train. Yeah. And then he like shows up at her parents' house and her dad opens the door, which like you're rich dude. Why is no one opening the door for your house? <laughs> like, like you have all this money and you're opening your own door. Okay. There's no help around. <laughs> so then he's like, where is she? And he won't tell him. And then his girls are like, she's at the beach. And so he goes to the beach and they make up the circus is back together. Yeah. He buys some land by the water, I think is what he says. That yeah. And they like put up a water. tent because yeah. Philip was like, well, I knew who I was working with, so I invest. I saved all of my earnings, you know, so mm. I can actually contribute into like building the circus back up. And so that's what they do. They become 50-50 partners then. Mm -hmm. And then um, at the end, when they're performing the greatest show, Barnum hands over his hat to Philip and says, "Like hat and his like cane or whatever yeah. it is." And he's like, "This is yours." And he's like, "What?" And he doesn't even like. <laughs> he's not like, "Oh, are you sure?" He's just like. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so then he just like, so he, clearly he's like giving Philip like, yeah, you know, cause he's, he's like, I'm going to, over to them. he's like, well, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to watch my family like grow up. I'm going to watch my kids grow up. Yeah. yeah. So really, really good ending. Everybody's happy. Zendaya and Zach Efron kiss. There's, he said it was his favorite on-screen kiss. Yeah. He also said that about the rock in Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever. That I think that was, that was a joke though. But. Overall, yeah. I really like this movie. It makes me happy. Yeah, it's a it's a good time. The music is great. Like the music is the, the best part of it. Yeah, by far. I'm the probably gonna listen to really the good. soundtrack after this. I listened to the soundtrack so much the year that it came out. 
the next year, so 2018, that I messed up like my Discover Weekly on Spotify. Like Spotify was like telling me to like listen to Hamilton and like all this other <laughs> stuff. And I was like, no, I don't want to just listen to musicals, but it was because I had played it so much. Yeah. How long did it take you to get like your Discover Weekly back on track? Or do you even listen it to was it a anymore? year because like whatever I listen to at the beginning of the year in excess is usually what ends up being my top played artist no matter what. Mm. Like even if I switch to something else. So I'm pretty sure this year will be 21 Pilots because I've been listening to the album nonstop. Yeah. So, but anyways, fun facts. Do you have any fun facts? Uh, I have a lot of fun facts. Okay. Um, I think I had some other things for like my opinions. Um, let me see. <laughs> David has a lot of <laughs> I have a lot of opinions. If about you guys this thought movie. he was quiet in the first episode, <laughs> that Boy, is do not I have something to say case. about this one. As soon as we start talking about movies, I don't, don't like, don't love. Uh, that's when I really have something to say because <laughs> when it's like something that I like, I'm like, mm, it's pretty good. <laughs> Well, I just deleted like the last part of our podcast. Last like we just finished minutes. recording, and the last twenty minutes, I like it started playing the recording, and I exited out really quick because I was like, "Ew!" And then like <laughs> we went back in, and it was gone. So yeah, so I so, guess we're just gonna redo two. our yeah, we're gonna redo our fun facts, and maybe we'll even uh, respin the wheel because I wasn't happy with what we what won. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hugh Jackman read through over three dozen books on P.T. Barnum to prepare for the title role, which we talked about how he still missed yeah. a lot about P.T. Barnum's life. But, yeah. you know, well, this project was supposed yeah. to, like he. This was a passion project by Hugh Jackman. Yeah. And he since was, 2009. Yeah. He was trying to make it happen for a really long so time. Eight years. It took eight years to actually come to fruition for which, him. Which, like, it seems like Hugh Jackman just, like, loves music and musicals that's and how he started and off performing and yeah because he's been on broadway and all kinds of, he's been in like every movie <laughs> Which, musical basically fun fact my dad walked in when we were watching it and he goes is that logan and so he calls him <laughs> logan like he won't call him hugh jackman or whatever he always just refers to him as logan yeah from the well, X-Men he, films. I mean, he was like the longest running superhero played by a single actor um, and Logan was like such a good way for him to go out. We'll have to talk about that movie at some point too. That movie yeah. is just so good. So the funny thing about all of this too is that because a lot was riding on this, because they had to they had to prove to film executives that this film needed to happen essentially. So they didn't get to do any production oh, until yeah, they another... got like the green light. And so they all had to perform the songs and stuff for the yeah. executive producers. Did you know that the song that ended up like sealing the deal for them was this is me yeah and it was written on the plane while they were flying to that meeting yeah so she sang it beautifully there's a video of it on youtube if you go oh, watch I'll it it's really powerful that. like um hugh jackman actually lets out like a sob a little bit because she's like really nervous and so she goes to like she's like shaking because she knows like this meeting is it like right this they're gonna the green light break. it or they're gonna red light it and she's like really nervous and she starts shaking and she's like crying while she's singing and she like grabs his hand and he like stabilizes her Aww. and she like sings and then he just goes, oh, and then like the whole crew like jumps in. But fun fact is like another part is when they sing from now on, Hugh Jackman had just had basal cell carcinoma removed from his nose Uh-oh. and he had like dozens of over dozens of stitches mm. and his surgeon was like, you can't sing because you're going to vibrate your stitches and you're going to rip them open. So a stand-in was supposed to sing it for him. And he basically was like, I'm not letting this dream die on me not being able to sing. 
So he sings. There's a video of that too. He sings from now on with the crew himself and he busted his stitches open. Like oh my the, God. the video doesn't show the busted stitches, but like when he was done performing for the executives, like he said like his nose was like pouring blood. Oh, gross. Hugh Jackman just seems like a really like nice guy in He's real really life. really fun. We went and saw him. I bought tickets for Zach. Zach loves Hugh Jackman for yeah. like his one man show where he like performs a bunch of musical numbers and stuff like that. And yeah. his wife was there and it was her birthday. And so he like came out into the crowd and like saying happy birthday to her and stuff. Oh yeah. I also read that like Rebecca Ferguson was really nervous about singing, but she wanted to like sing her song to the extras, like during the filming, but then they ended up dubbing over, but she wanted to sing live so that it seemed real. And she wasn't just like lip syncing or lip. Is that what it's called? Lip syncing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But apparently Hugh Jackman, like, encouraged her and like told her that like gave her words of encouragement he just seems like the nicest guy yeah he just seems like a really decent guy and like he just seems like he really loves being in these musicals and like just performing and stuff is just like what he wants to do and i just really like Hugh jackman which is why i was so mad that, that you were hating on him last week <laughs> i wasn't hating on him i was hating on angier yeah barnum's american museum was so popular that the crowds inside would linger too much so he yeah, like cutting so, in on the like the profits because they would just like stick around. And so he placed a sign on the exits that said this way to the egress and people didn't know what egress meant. Yeah, it's another word for exit. So they would just <laughs> say like, oh, what's over here? And they just like <laughs> let them outside. <laughs> Which is really, really funny. Yeah. Um, obviously in January. 20- Can you imagine like thinking you're going to see like some other freak show and you're like, oh, this is just the street. <laughs> you get kicked out nicely, <laughs> yeah. politely. Um, in January 2017, Barnum and Bailey Circus announced that they were going to be closing their doors forever yeah. due to decreased attendance. Um, and then their last shows were in May of 2017. Yeah, just a couple months before this movie came out. Yeah. And then um, we are we already kind of talked about this in the deleted recording. <laughs> but um, yeah, we kind of think that these circuses were not like long for this world anyways, just because like kind of the the draw to them was the like the elephants and the horses and the tigers and everything. And they were getting a lot of flack for that. So I think they were not doing that anyway. So it was mostly like people performing different things. And you had mentioned that like Cirque du Soleil is already like outdoing them on those kind of performances. Like Cirque du Soleil, if you've never been is fantastic. If one ever comes to your. I've never been. (laughs) Yeah. That's a, that's a story. But we won't get into that. <laughs> well, we also got tickets to go see it. Oh, it, yeah. It's really not meant to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's like cursed. COVID like canceled it. And so yeah. we're, we just have these tickets that... Did they end up refunding you or just they, delaying it again? They said that that show wasn't going to come, but that like another show would come. And I haven't gotten an email for a really long time. Yeah. So we may be going or not. But anyways, yeah. yeah so if you if you if one comes to your town, you should definitely go see it. They're just really, really entertaining shows. And then, you know, we live in a world now where people are really trying to advocate for be a voice for the voiceless kind of thing. Right. And so I don't think that Barnum Bailey Circus would have survived anyways if they tried it would, to. It wouldn't be what it was anyway. It would have. No. It would have had to evolve into something like a circus. Well, and I don't remember going thing. to the circus. Like I think the only time I went to the circus when I was when I was five, maybe. I went to a circus on my twenty first birthday. I still have a picture of it. Me holding like a giant snake. Ew. 
No thanks. But either way, I haven't been since I was a child. Yeah. So the really cool thing now is Disney on ice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, didn't you go to the circus for the popcorn and cotton candy anyway? I really honestly don't remember anything about the circus. I just remember going when I was a kid. I remember like the elephants. I always thought elephants were really, they're just really cool animals because they're so fucking big. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the movie, how he's like riding an elephant to go yeah. see his family. Oh, yeah. And then there was that scene where they're like going up to the house that he bought for them and like it's a horse drawn carriage, but it's zebras instead of horses. Did you notice oh, yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I was like, wow, ah, that's just a zebra. That's just Barney. Barney. <laughs> <laughs> I just called it Barney. <laughs> that's just Barnum being all zany. <laughs> is that his? That's what. That's, that's how. Oh, Barney. Yeah, that's what I call him because we're you know we're close like that. <laughs> okay, I have Jenny Lind was written with Anne Hathaway in mind. Yeah, I didn't which know that. she that's played. Cool. She played in Les Mis with Hugh Jackman as well. Yeah, so. she's um. Yeah, it's really weird. She was like musically trained and stuff too. Mm -hmm. She's really good. Zach she Efron, I like, think, got his start in musicals and I, stuff, too. I love Anne Hathaway, but she looks like she smells like cheese. <laughs> God, don't get the Anne Hathaway fans on us. We'll, <laughs> we'll never no, make it if you turn them against no, us. No, I love her. I adore her. But, you know, yeah. there are some people who just look like they smell like something. No, I don't know what that means. Like, Meryl Streep, to me, would smell like maple syrup. What the hell? <laughs> Is this how you think about people? Like... That's how you're like, mm, that person smells like this. That's just like the first thing your mind goes to. Yeah. And cheese is not like a bad smell. Uh, it's a stinky <laughs> cheese. <laughs> I didn't say she smells like stinky cheese. I mean, most cheese is kind of stinky. No. Eh. I'm not saying she smells like Parmesan. <laughs> <laughs> Blue cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not I'm, I'm not saying feta. No. Ugh, I love feta though. It's so Gouda. <laughs> okay, off the cheese pun. Yeah. Um, near the end, Barnum, when Barnum's talking about like just using a tent because real estate in Manhattan is a bad investment, oh, yeah. the current average cost of a condo or flat in Manhattan is $2 million. So he got humbugged on that one. Yeah, that's pretty insane. So all of, or Your not facts. all of, but a lot of my facts are just like, real life stuff about Barnum and the uh, Tom Thumb and Jenny Lind and stuff David's like that. about to go on a rant about defending Jenny Lind. Yeah, I'm going to talk about how this movie did Jenny Lind so dirty. Like, because I have to imagine that most of the people who see this movie don't know the real story. But this movie is so was so popular that there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to do the research and they're going to be like, damn, Jenny Lind is a two-time in hussy yeah this movie is dragging her name through the mud <laughs> ruining her legacy <laughs> okay so anyway pt barnum seemed to be mostly uh interested in making money and he coined the term profitable philanthropy which in his mind was the idea that if by making your city or town or whatever better you can also make money doing so then the incentive to make your town better will be that much uh, stronger. People will be more inclined to do things that are good for the town if they're also making money. So it was really just about making money in the end for him. Isn't kinda. it always? It always is, yeah. Um, <clears throat> General Tom Thumb in real life, his name was Charles Stratton. 
Um, he was really uh, four years old, but P.T. Barnum said that he was 11 years old and advertised him as the smallest person that ever walked alone. And um, I think I also read that he found another, like, a little person. And they had this thing called, like, the um, the fairy wedding, which was, like, a wedding for these, like, little people just because P.T. Barnum thought that it would be, like, funny. I feel like I've reached the point where something got put in my mimosa and I'm like, am I, what? <laughs> no. Are you okay? No, I'm just like, what the hell? Oh, this, like, this <laughs> feels like fact. a dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like you made it up. Yeah, no, I did not make it up. Look it up, the fairy wedding. Um, but Tom Thumb, I guess, was drinking wine by age five and smoking cigars by age seven, just for like, we're here for a good value. time, not a long time. Yeah. And in his case, probably like a very not long time. <laughs> like that's so We shouldn't young. laugh. That's really sad. Yeah. Then, yeah, his trip to meet the queen where they ended up meeting Jenny Lind. I think I read that the queen found him to be very like sad. Like his story. Yeah. So, yeah, not not great. <laughs> there. <laughs> like making, making children drink and smoke for the entertainment of the come audience. Come on, Barney. Yeah, come on, Barney. You're, you're better than that. Maybe you're not, though. Not really. <laughs> uh, so Jenny Lind, actually, the reason that P.T. Barnum wanted her to come and be, like, part of his show or whatever was he wanted to market her reputation for morality and philanthropy. He wanted to use that in his publicity for her. So in real life, he wanted her because she was a good person and he could use that. So the fact that this movie makes her out to be a bad person is just, like, even more wrong. Um, she demanded her money up front, which P.T. Barnum had to take, like, a loan out for. And she donated that to charity to make, like, schools for poor children in Sweden. And, yeah, not Charity Barnum. <laughs> yeah. She, it said she demanded more money once she saw how much Barnum stood to make from it, which was supposed to be for charity, but seems like a little... See, so she wasn't all good. She wasn't all good. Well, I don't know. It was like, she was like, I need more money for charity. Wink. <laughs> for charity. Yeah. Yeah. It's all going to charity. But I'm, I'm sure she made a lot of money on her own. Barnum sold tickets for Lynn's shows via auction. They were so popular that her shows were selling out. And Barnum realized that if he had people like bidding on tickets, he could make even more by not having like a flat fee for them which uh, Jenny Lynn did not like, and she ended up persuading him to make more tickets available at a reduced cost so that people of, like, all incomes could come see her perform. She, I think, did, like, 93 shows under P.T. Barnum's management. Um, she made, like, $350,000, and Barnum made $500,000, which is, like, $15.5 million by today's standards. So they were, like making so much money dang yeah lynn ended up cutting ties with barnum because of his relentless marketing she just didn't like that it was like all about the publicity and the money and everything and it was not about the show uh they did split amicably i guess and she continued the tour on her own like under her own management team um and then apparently she donated all of her earnings to charity but i don't know we don't know you didn't live back then right and there did you know there are also no no recordings of her voice 
anymore. She apparently recorded on the, I forget what the device was called. Thomas the xylophone. Edison. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, she was also a very talented xylophone player. <laughs> no, uh, is like the autophone or something like that. It was like the cylinder. Thomas Edison made it to record oh, okay. sound on those like cylinders, mm-hmm. but but apparently it was like destroyed and it wouldn't have been around today anyway. But yeah, there's no recording of what she sounded like, but she was like a, a opera teacher, I think, later in life and stuff. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, I would give this film a seven and a half out of ten in terms of entertainment, in terms of like how accurate it was and like how deep it goes into the stories of the characters it's not super deep (laughs) like i'm not even gonna rate it because it's not even close yeah but like for entertainment it's like a seven and a half yeah i mean it's a good time and the music is fantastic all of the performances are really good Mm -hmm. it's just the story and like certain things about this movie just like kind of there was enough little things to kind of taint the the overall my overall view of it yeah so i would give it like a five out of ten i think and then go music, ahead. Music, I think, is like a seven or eight out of ten. The yeah, music's the music's great. like really, really good. It's the best part of the movie for sure. So just write us in. Tell us what you thought about this movie. We're going to spin the wheel again really quick because obviously the recording. <laughs> we're going to see what we get because we've been getting all my films. So hopefully yeah. we get one of David's films. I'm just gonna, here. We're just going to. Also, you can write us in and suggest films yourself too. Like, yeah. Because we might throw them on the list. So. We got the Matrix. The Matrix actually Yay! won. It was almost is about to be the edge of seventeen again. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Well, it, we got, the first time we spun it, we got Bohemian Rhapsody, and I was like, "Oh, I'll let you spin it again." And then we got the yeah, edge of seventeen. It's going to be another musical and another movie that I'm not a huge fan of. He I haven't seen, seen it, it though, so yeah. So, so maybe he I doesn't would... know if he's a huge fan or not. Yeah. Um. Well, get ready because this episode. The next episode is probably going to be a really long one. Buckle this in, one was a really long one. I well, think it's going to be. It, I think the Matrix have, is going to yeah. be really long because that's yeah. got a lot of stuff. But anyways, we'll we'll catch you guys next time. Yeah, thanks for um, stopping by. Yeah, bye. Bye. Can I get a mimosa?